You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. We're broadcasting live from their state-of-the-art studios here in the Tech Space facility in beautiful Costa Mesa. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and Smart Stop Self Storage. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of business owners, CEOs, and executives to make better and more informed business decisions. We have two guests today, and let's get right to our first guest. I'm so excited to have Molly Brogan, who is Vice President of Public Affairs with National Small Business Association, as our guest. Molly, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Let's get started by asking you to talk a little bit about your professional background. Here on the radio program, sometimes I say, tell us about your path to the National Small Business Association. You know, I uh, I started out with the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce. I'm a Colorado girl and um, worked there for about two years uh, handling their small business um, uh, services. Um, so I worked in... in partially doing training and event planning for small businesses. I also did a lot of work with the Small Business Development Center of Denver. Um, from there, I decided to uh, move to the big uh, big city of Washington, D.C., and I worked for the American Chamber of Commerce Executives for just under a year, event planning and, and worked with other chambers throughout the country. I've always had a passion for policy. I've always been very passionate about small business. And from there, I landed at the National Small Business Association about 10 years ago, and it's been a really lovely fit. I started out doing uh, lobbying issues on you know, a wide range of topics from healthcare to economic development to uh, regulatory reform. And in the last five years, switched over to the communication side. And so while we all work very seamlessly, I, I do more of the, the public outreach and, and media affairs for the organization and, and a bit less activity on the Hill, which is my, my tired and aching feet certainly appreciate that. So, Molly, I've got to ask, what is it about small business being involved with government policy that first got you interested in this career? You know, I, I, I come from a very politically active family. Uh, you know, we would uh, watch 60 Minutes every Sunday. You know, we'd watch the nightly news together and, and discuss politics. And being an active and engaged part of the community was always emphasized in my family. I also had a very good friend growing up, almost like a sister, and spent a great deal of time with her family. And they actually ran a small business. Mm-hmm. They had a Sir Speedy franchise. And, uh, you know, seeing the hard work that they did, but also the, the great benefits that come from it, you know, really brought small business close to home and understanding the challenges that they have to deal with on a regular basis, you know, kind of made me think, boy, there's there's this group of people out here who are doing such good work and, and it's really tough. And, uh, you know, if there's something I can do to, to help folks like them, then, then, boy, I ought to be doing it. So let's just back up one second and explain again to our audience, as the Vice President for Public Affairs, what does that role entail for you for the National Small Business Association, Molly? Essentially what I do is is handle any kind of of public outreach and public persona for the National Small Business Association. So uh, I do a lot of writing. Uh, We we do a weekly uh, newsletter to all of our members. So I I handle that and do a lot of the writing for it. I work with reporters on a regular basis. Uh, I conduct a number of surveys throughout the year uh, to provide data about the small business community. 
you know, it really, it's a, it's a pretty broad range of topics. I work with a lot of Capitol Hill offices in terms of legislation that we support and providing press releases and, and getting the word out about pieces of legislation that we really like, as well as trying to work with our grassroots um, action center. Uh, and it's an online center where people can go in and within two minutes have a, a you know, personalized letter that we've already crafted for them, send it off to their members of Congress and, and weigh in on critical issues. So that's another key thing that we do here at NSBA. Oh, great, because um, I want to ask you uh, later in the interview, what are the top of issues that are affecting your members and kind of describe the benefits of membership? We stepped a little bit on that, but we're going to come back to that in, in just a few minutes. But before we get there... I'd like you, Molly, to tell the organization, not tell the organization, tell the audience about National Small Business Association. Maybe people are familiar with it, maybe they aren't, but the audience that listens to critical mass radio shows are mid-market and small business owners and top executives. So you're talking, I think, to your members, maybe. Probably there's some people in our listening audience who are active members in the small business National Small Business Association. But for those that aren't, give us a sense for the organization. Sure. NSBA is the country's first small business advocacy organization. Uh, we just celebrated 75 years in operation. I think a lot of your members, if, if they haven't heard of us, they probably have heard of NFIB, which is the National Federation of Independent Business. Okay. We're very similar to them. One of the key differences is that we're older, so we've been around a bit longer. We're not quite as big as uh, NFIB, but we do have 65,000 members across the country uh, in every industry uh, in every state. And um, we're a staunchly nonpartisan organization, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, as the the spokesperson for an organization, uh, I'm really proud of that, uh, you know, our members drive from A to Z our policy decisions. We we get together and, and they vote on it. We have monthly teleconference calls on a range of issues. They tell us what's important to them, and, you know, we work with Republicans and Democrats alike, and I think, you know, in this increasingly partisan environment that yes. we live in, particularly in Washington, D.C., yes. being as staunchly nonpartisan as we has been, I personally think, the right way to go in terms of, you know, we'll work with anybody who supports small business. We don't care what your politics are. If you're on the same side as us in terms of regulatory reform and um, simplifying taxes, then we're happy to work with you. So 65,000 members from across the country, and this may be an unfair question, but we do broadcast here from California. I'm just wondering, Molly, if you could give us a sense for your membership here on the West Coast. Yeah, you know, the the way we operate is we have what we consider both direct members, so member to NSBA paying members, and then we also operate as kind of an umbrella group for a, a number of state and regional groups. And one very active group we have is Small Business California, and Scott Hauge runs that, that organization. And, um, you know, in terms of numbers, I would, I would have to get back to you. I, I apologize, okay. but I know that we do have a great representation in California, both in our direct members as well as through the Small Business California organization, which has been doing some really great work out there. And I would like to maybe have Scott on a future episode of Critical Mass Radio Shows. And Molly, if you would be so kind to connect us. Um, I believe very much in getting exposure for advocacy organizations, especially ones that are nonpartisan. Does that make, being nonpartisan as National Small Business Association is, does that make you unique against maybe other associations like you in this country? I think that it does. Uh, you know, and I, I may be biased to somebody who, having worked for an organization for 10 years, which is somewhat unusual in Washington, D.C., um, <laughs> I obviously think where I work is a great place, and I really believe in our mission and what we do. Okay. 
But I do think that we're we're kind of unique. I know a lot of people like to say that they're nonpartisan, and and I, I think you know when you look at our votes, I think we truly are. I think there are a lot of issues where you know we've been very friendly to Democrats, and a lot of issues where we've been very friendly to Republicans. So you know we don't have an active PAC. We don't do a ton of campaign fundraising. We have in the past, but in the last five years, it's been dormant. So I think that's another area that's you know kind of enabled us stand kind of independently and and really just focus on what the issues are, not necessarily what the politics are behind it. And I think personally, from a professional, from a small being a small business owner, it's great to have an association that is willing to cover the range of issues regardless of political affiliation. I think that's the way it should be. And so I'm even more excited to have you as their spokesperson here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And I'm talking with Molly Brogan. She's VP of Public Affairs for National Small Business Association. Molly, we're going to take our first commercial break. So, audience, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a minute or less. When we come back, I'm going to ask you, Molly, to share with our audience the top issues that are affecting your members. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. We'll be back with Molly Brogan right after these words. the premier rewards gold card from american express the rewards points can keep on multiplying by three with triple points on airfare by two with double points on gas and groceries and a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card then start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit axpgold.com the annual fee for the card is 175 dollars see terms conditions and restrictions at axpgold.com Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's succession-strategies.com. I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sea. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. Because it's the smarter way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the interviews I conduct with our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our show. We deliver over 25,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions a month. If you'd like to learn more about advertising on our program, talk to our advertising department at 
888-900-0004. All right, let's turn our attention back to Molly Brogan. She's Vice President of Public Affairs, National Small Business Association. Molly, before the break, I said I'd ask you to share with our audience the top issues that your members are telling you are affecting them. There are a number of really key issues that, that we're always hearing from our members. The cost of health care, tax complexity, regulatory burden. So those are always among the top three and four issues that we hear from our members. Another key one that we've heard a lot more about in the you know, last two, three years is the growing national debt, and that's really a huge issue as well. Um, in fact, our members voted that our number one priority issue is deficit reduction earlier in, the, in this session of Congress. So we recently surveyed our members, and we do this two times a year. It's, there are economic reports, and we just came out with our mid-year economic report a few weeks back. And the number one issue is you know, economic uncertainty. That's followed by decline in customer spending. Cost and health insurance benefits came in after that. Uh, next up was regulatory burdens, then federal taxes, lack of available capital, and then a growing national debt. So those right now in terms of boots on the ground and what's really happening out there, those are kind of how our members ranked, where these key issues are, are impacting them and, and how, they're, how significant a challenge they pose to the future growth and survival of their business. I don't think you missed any. I was writing them down as you were talking, and I think you've covered the ones that the clients that I work with and the people that I kind of run with talk about as an issue. I'm kind of surprised, though, that the deficit reduction is such a hot topic relative to the other topics, which seem to me to be a little more in our face, right? Deficit reduction is sort of a, a harder-to-quantify issue as opposed to maybe health care and taxation and regulation and some of the other things, which are presented to us every day in, in how business leaders run their business. But I'm glad your organization is also taking the long-term view, as are your members. I think that speaks volumes for the type of people that are members of National Small Business Association. Thanks. I, I, I agree, and it's really interesting, too. We've, we've, we found some kind of interesting trends in terms of past surveys that we've done. And, you know, when we did the survey last fall um, and then the previous year when the discussions over the debt ceiling and the deficit were really raging in Congress, there was a lot more concern of the growing national debt, and, and it's been relatively quiet in the last couple of months. I expect that to change toward the end of this year when we conduct our year-end survey. Uh, you know, I think the more Congress fails to get something done and the more and more bickering and, and you know, partisan posturing, the bigger concern it is. And I think that really kind of underscores the fact that economic uncertainty is a significant challenge. When we're talking to our members on a daily basis that if, if there's not a lot of faith in the people that they're electing to lead them and, and solve the very difficult issues facing our country, there's not a huge incentive to hire on new people and and grow your business if, if you really have, have a, a lack of confidence in what's going to be happening in the next two, three years. So I do think, like you said, it's, it's not quite as in your face as some of the other issues, but I, I think it's one of those, you know, kind of a, a slow burn that, that is always there, and it's we know it's going to get ugly if something's not done about it in the near term. I agree. Let's talk about membership in your organization. I'm curious how that is structured. Can you, Molly, give our audience a sense for, you know, what are the benefits and, and how is membership in the National Small Business Association structured? We really look at our, our organization as representing all small businesses in the U.S. You know, even people who aren't members are benefiting from our, our advocacy on the Hill because, it, you know, it, these are issues that impact all small businesses, not just people who are our members. Now, 
the benefit of being a member is is that you have a lot more say in terms of what issues are impacting your business. So, uh, you know, if you're a, a retail store owner, I, I think you can certainly make a lot of cases for, um, you know, flexible scheduling and some other issues that, that we've certainly worked on. And I, I think that is a great benefit, having a say in our issues and, and, you know, what we do as an organization and what stances we take. I think another big benefit to being a member of NSBA is having that inside track on what's happening in Congress. There's certainly no shortage of websites and blogs and, and newspapers and television stations telling us what's happening in Washington, D.C., but trying to drill down to understand what's really happening and how does it impact small business specifically. Uh, I think that we offer a lot of really great information, a lot of great resources, uh, as well as some really easy, time-saving ways to get involved in the process. And that is another thing, which I'm sure you know, Rick, that um, as a small business owner, you barely have time to see your family, let alone you know weigh in with your members of Congress on a regular basis. So right. that's something that we try and make very easy for our members, and, and whether it's through online advocacy or um, hosting events in Washington, D.C., where we take the entire group up to the hill and we lobby for an entire day, um, I think we definitely provide some access um, for our members uh, to their lawmakers that they may not otherwise get. So how receptive, uh, and realize you're on a international radio show right now so and i know you're a vp of public affairs so you're very studied in responding to questions like this but i got to be honest i'm curious how receptive do you find our elected officials to these top issues and working with your advocacy organization for the best interests of small business owners in the country I think there are two answers to that question, Rick, and, and I'm happy to be being very candid because we're always very candid about this. I think everybody loves small business. You know, it's as American <laughs> yeah. as apple pie and it grandma is. and babies. And, you know, everybody. Right. Nobody wants to do anything against small business. So we're, we're mentioned all the time. People love us. They they love small businesses. They want to do whatever they can to help. The challenge comes, <laughs> and, and this is what can be frustrating for our organization, is that we don't have the kind of um, political funding that larger companies do. And that's, I think, what makes an organization like NSB important, is that we can kind of pool those resources and pool yes. um, you know, our grassroots efforts together and say, okay, this is an issue that impacts the entire small business community, and here's why you should act on it. So, you know, on the one hand, I think politicians talk a lot about small business because it's very popular to talk about that. I think there's a genuine care for small business as well. I don't think it's always just lip service, but do I think it always translates into them getting things done and making the important votes for our constituency? No, I don't, which is unfortunate. And that's why I can't advocate strongly enough to the members in my community out here in Southern California, but also to those people that are listening to us today live or maybe as a podcast off of iTunes or Stitcher in the future. If you own a small business, you need to join advocacy associations because there's a lot going on that affects our businesses. And to your point, Molly, there are many larger corporations who have very sophisticated funding and lobbying efforts that are not always on the same purpose and benefit of small business. And so small business needs to have a voice with our elected officials, and the best way to do that is through these professional uh, organizations like National Small Business Association. So I hope that many in our audience are already members and others who aren't would consider joining this group. I think the kind of work that you're doing is much needed to keep visibility to the issues that we face. Uh, my engineer is telling me I've got three minutes left with you here today on Critical Mass Radio Show, Molly Brogan. So I'm going to ask you, I understand that you do teleconferences for your members as a added service. Could you describe that? feature and maybe the other outreach that you have for small business owners just in a few minutes because that's what we have left on the program today. 
You bet. Well, we understand that people don't always have half an hour to 45 minutes to read through our weekly updates. So what we do from time to time, um, it's typically on a quarterly basis, sometimes more regular than that. We pick a hot issue and bring in the best experts we can find, um, and often it's somebody who works on the Hill or a member of the, the press, to join us on a quick 45-minute teleconference, and, you know, we give them the details. Here's what's happening. Here's what we think is likely to happen in Congress. Um, it, it's just a, a quick way to, to join in, and we try and do it always at about 1 o'clock Eastern. So hopefully we're getting um, several people sometime along their lunch hour or, or close to it. But just to provide a you know quick update, here's what's happening. Um, you know, Again, we really understand how busy you guys are, and, and we want to make the most of your time. So that's what we offer. And we do actually, um, from time to time, open these teleconferences up to non-members. So if anybody's listening um, and you'd like to participate in these, feel free to shoot me an email. You can just send it to press at nsba.biz, and I'll be happy to add you to our guest list for the next issue briefing we have planned. Okay, that's press at nsa.biz. Did I get that right? That's right. Uh, press at nsba.biz, NS- correct. nsba.biz. Okay, so uh, with the little bit of time that I have left, Molly, uh, if someone would like to learn more about your organization online, can you give them the website, please? You bet. It's www.nsba.biz, B-I-Z. All right. Well, hopefully um, people that are listening live or in the future as a podcast will take me up on my suggestion to find out more about the National Small Business Association You've given us a lot of good reasons to consider your advocacy group here in Southern California. And if you have time to come back in the future, or if you're ever in Southern California, Molly, let me know. We'll have you in the studio for a live guest as well. Thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Critical Mass Business Community. Thanks for having me, Rick. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. That was Molly Brogan, VP of Public Affairs, National Small Business Association, was our first guest here today on Critical Mass Radio Show. Our second guest is getting ready, and she is in the studio. Her name is Dana Butler Moberg, and she's the executive director with the Shea Center. We're going to be talking with her about her nonprofit organization after we return from this commercial timeout and a news break. The Orange County Business Journal has ranked Commerce National Bank the 26th fastest-growing public company in Orange County, and they remain a Bauer Financial five-star institution. President and CEO Mark Simmons attributes the success to how well the bank treats its customers and employees. Commerce National Bank simply delivers personal service at a higher level than its competitors, while offering technology on par with the big banks. If your organization could use a new business bank, call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they will handle the rest. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. In the last 30 days, you've downloaded over 12,000 copies of our radio program. 
We here at the radio station and this program appreciate your continued support. All shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net, or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. Well, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Dana Butler-Moberg and John Caldwell. Although you won't hear anything from John, he is in the studio, but we're going to be focusing our attention today with Dana. Dana, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me today. So you are the executive director for the Shea Center. Yes? Yes. So before we talk about it, sorry, tell me a little bit about you and your professional background that has led you to this position with the Shea Center. I feel like I have the designer job. I was um, always interested in the nonprofit world. I went to work for a major nonprofit, the American Heart Association in L.A. for seven years, and I've always been an equestrian as well. Hmm. And so about 16 years ago, a friend of mine called and said, listen, there's this great job down in San Juan Capistrano, and it's perfect for you. I said, no, I've got this great retirement plan. This is perfect for me. (laughs) And they said, no, 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 no. You have to go down there and see what miracles are happening every day at this little place. So I go down in my heels and my suit and the whole nine yards and i look like i'm just completely out of place and i walk out there in the dirt and i see the incredible work that they were doing and i thought oh my gosh i have to work here i have to take a pay cut i have to commute 180 miles a day i have to do this and that's what i did for the first oh year that i worked there and how long have you been the executive director? 16 years. Oh, my goodness. It's just been one of those jobs that doesn't feel like a job. It feels like it's a calling. It feels like somebody conjured up the perfect job for me and said, here, go do this and meet amazing people and make some wonderful things happen. So let's talk about the Shea Center then. Can you help our audience who may not be familiar, who may know the name, or maybe they're not even familiar with the name, but what does the organization do? Take us back. Give us a little bit for the history And then talk to us about the need that you're serving in the community. Well, I'll tell you what, 35 years ago, a family, um, Derek and Nancy Lewis's son, Michael, he was born with cerebral palsy. He's eight years old, and he has nothing that he can do that is for himself. They saw this article in, I think it was like Ladies Home Journal, about therapeutic writing and how it would started in Europe and had just come to the United States. So they said, we need to do this. We need to figure out how we can do this in our community. And they started a therapeutic riding center called the Orange County Riding Center with one instructor with their son, Michael, and they were on the board of directors. And they founded this for their son, ostensibly. But what happened is it's grown into this place where children learn to walk. They learn to talk. Adults who've had strokes speak you know, their first words or take their first steps. It's become this community resource that the Lewises could never have envisioned. And they talk about how could something that was so profoundly needed for our son be of such great service to thousands of other people. So 35 years later, we've become one of the largest in the world at what we do. There are 15 countries that host a Shea Center trained therapeutic riding instructor Uh and how it all works is the horse moves the human body just like it's walking there's no piece of gym equipment or swiss ball or tool that actually does that so we think of us like a clinic on seven acres there's physical occupational and speech therapy and we use the unique equestrian setting to help people gain functional gains walking talking interacting in their world, socializing. It's a really miraculous place. What else about the equestrian element of the Shea Center is it that's so transformative for the people that go there? I understand they help with movement, but 
what else have you seen relative to the horses themselves? Well, you know, it's interesting. Horses are amazing creatures. I am a horsewoman. And they are an empathetic creature, much like dogs. And we also have a therapy dog who's a facility dog from Canine Companions. These creatures have the ability to sense both the needs and the weaknesses of people. So you'll hear somebody say, oh, my gosh, this horse knew I was afraid. And they ran back to the barn. Well, that's true. The horses are very empathetic. But in our case, it works this way that we can help our clients in profound ways. For example, we had this one little girl who her horse was the horse for her. She wouldn't walk. She wouldn't talk. But when she got to the Shea Center, she was completely transformed by this little pony that we just loved. And when she saw this little pony, she would... She actually learned to walk. When she saw our therapy dog, she walked an additional 25 steps. And she was five years old. She'd never walked at all. Wow. So it's, an, it's a unique environment that these amazing creatures with their empathy and their ability to sense the strengths and the weaknesses of people uh, is really augmented and brought out by the talents of professional medical people. And I think one of the unique features of what we do is that there are more than 200 volunteers every week at the Shea Center. So if you think about, here's my child who, you know, is getting all of this attention, this attention from volunteers rooting for them and cheering for them and being a part of their therapy team for the horses who are there just being so gentle and so kind and then our professional staff making all of this happen. You just see the most remarkable things in our clients and for their families. So tell me what a typical, if there is such a thing, weekend at the Shea Center would be like. A typical weekend, Saturday is wildly busy. So imagine all the things that you might do with your kids, and you're running around on Saturdays, and you're trying to get your kids to where they need to go. And think about if you have a kid with special needs, they don't get to have those same kinds of experiences. So. You get them down to the Shea Center, and this is their place. This is their place to ride. And how many kids, even typical kids, can say, I take riding lessons. I stand on the back of a horse. And here you've got a kid who uses a wheelchair every day of the week, except on Saturdays, when he goes down to the Shea Center, and he gets out of his wheelchair, and he's not only riding a horse, he's sitting sideways on the horse. He's playing ball and with the therapist back and forth on the horse. He's standing on the horse. And all of these things we do have a methodical approach to why. Mm -hmm. And that goes on all day Saturday nonstop. I mean, the horses get a little time for lunch, and so do the humans. Right. But we start at, we start at 8, and we go straight through, and it's, our, it's just a super busy day. And that's every day at the Shea Center. Every day we've got all this activity, all these volunteers, all these people who ostensibly really want to change the lives of the people that we serve and their family members. So if you have a a parent who brings a child with special needs and they start in your program, how long might they stay involved with the Shea Center then? Well, Michael Lewis is still riding with us after 35 years. Oh, my gosh. So the average stay for our clients is seven to nine years. Wow. But then some of our clients come, like, for example, this wonderful, wonderful man who came and he'd had a massive stroke. He'd worked for the CIA, and he then he'd retired and done all this amazing stuff for his church. And then one day he's standing at the gas station, and he's a hale, hearty, fit 67-year-old guy, and he has a massive stroke. Wow. He can't walk. He can't talk. He can't do anything for himself. Right. And so therapy was done with him. His insurance company discharged him and said, you're done. And he still couldn't drive. He still couldn't walk very well. He still couldn't dress himself. 
And so then they found us. So we helped him get back to his new normal, his okay. new level of independence. Right. Driving, dressing himself. I mean, we didn't, you know, we worked on the fine motor skills, of, you know, strength, balance. And he rode with us for you know, maybe three years and then went off to do golf again. And golf in a new way. Since he's hemiplegic, he can use just one arm and one, one side of his body. Uh-huh. But he was so glad to be alive. And we, it, according to, in his words, he said, you gave me my life back. Oh, that's powerful. So these are the kinds of things for children and adults that we see. Well, that is um, very moving. And I think it's appropriate that we take a commercial timeout, ladies and gentlemen. Go go anywhere. We'll be back in 60 seconds or less. My guest is Dana Butler-Moberg. She's the executive director of the Shea Center. I want to ask you about the horses. Just, I'm curious when we come back from the break, if, if you could, does it take a special type of horse to be successful at the Shea Center? So think about that. And when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Dana's going to answer that question, and I have a few more to talk to her about here on Critical Mass Radio Show. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. 98% of our audience are business owners and top executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. We deliver over 25,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions a month. To learn more, contact our advertising department at 949-887-4104. Dana Butler-Moberg, who is the executive director for the Shea Center, is our guest. And before the break, Dana, I was going to ask you, is there anything special that you look for in the horses that you bring to the Shea Center? There is. And if, if you understand, or even if you don't understand about horses, there's one thing to understand first, is they are flight animals. They in the great hierarchy of the food chain, they are prey, not predators. So that determines their reaction to things usually run away because, you know, if they're frightened or startled, they're running away. So there's an expression in the horse world that says miles makes manners. And if you go through our barn, we have 21 horses in our program, horses and ponies. 
And they've all generally, except for three, have come from very rich, full lives. They've been police horses. They've been polo ponies. They've been dressage horses. They've Mm -hmm. been trail horses. They've been rodeo horses. They've all had lots of jobs before they come to Shea. And believe it or not, it sounds a little anthropomorphic, but they've developed a work ethic. They like to work. They like people. They are sound. Um, Most people get the impression that, oh, that must be just, you know, we'll send our old broken down horse to the Shea Center. The average age of our horses when they come into the program is eight or nine, thanks to Dr. Richard Markell, who donates all of his services. He's truly an Olympic vet. He travels with the Olympic team, and he donates all of his services. And so we're able to keep our horses in a way that is just extraordinary. So they have, and they have special features to them. We choose them for their movement. We choose them for their size. Um, You're going to learn something today. A hand is a measurement of four inches. So if somebody says, my horse is 13 hands tall, it's 13 times four right at their shoulders. Okay. And so for the most part, our horses are 16 hands and one inch or 16 one and below because with our sidewalkers and most of our clients being children, we need to have horses that can be easily dismounted from a horse in an emergency. Makes sense. Um, or clients that can be dismantled. So our horses are chosen for big walks, little walks, choppy walks, um, slow movement, languid movement. And because depending on what the client needs, we need the right tool for the right job. So right. think about it like a Lexus or a Humvee or your off-road vehicle. If you need a big, powerful car and you're going to do something really big, you might need to get your Humvee out and just go off-roading and do all that. If you need something really smooth, you're going to get your Lexus out or John's Mercedes and go for a nice drive. Or if you really need something that's kind of choppy, we're going to get you in the off-road vehicle or the four-wheel drive. Our kids with autism, they need that choppy movement. So we're going to put you on one of the ponies. Mm. The child with really severe cerebral palsy, where their muscles are very weak, uh-huh. we're not going to put you on the big choppy horse. We're going to put you on the smooth horse so that you're not going to be too disturbed in your body, and it'll, it'll build your strength. For a kid with autism, we've got the choppy horse. We've got all these different ways that we match our magnificent horses and ponies to our riders. That's amazing. That- so. And they have a whole orientation they go through. They have a checklist. They get introduced to wheelchairs. They get introduced to walkers. They get introduced right. to people who make loud noises or people who fall, you know, are very weak and kind of fall. You know, our horses are all trained to do very special work. And they're trained to not run away when they get scared. They're mm-hmm. trained to stand still when they're scared because that goes against all their instincts. I could see that. But they're really extraordinary creatures. Wow, that sounds amazing. So. Sounds amazing. I understand from our engineer that we have a question from the audience. It relates to Joan Irvine Smith being active or a part of in your history of the Shea Center. Could you speak for a minute about that, please? Yeah, Joan was a wonderful, pivotal, what we call a transformational donor. When Mrs. Smith purchased the Oaks in San Juan Capistrano many years ago, we actually were located on that property as as a lease. Our program was very small at the time, but it also was not consistent with what she was going to be doing with her sport horse breeding program. So she made a very generous gift that helped us, we're talking maybe 25 years ago, relocate to the current property we have now. Eventually, we became the Shea Center because the Shea Company donated the seven acres of land that we currently sit on. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have a permanent home if it wasn't for Mrs. Smith giving us the generous gift to move to this facility, and that was many, many years ago. And then, of course, as years have gone on, others have stepped in to help, especially our friends in the Klein family, 
And then the Shea Company comes along and says, here, we're going to make this investment in the lives of people with disabilities by giving you this land. So wow. go do something special with it. Okay. That brings us up to today. You have an audience of business owners and executives, Southern California listening. What help or involvement do you need, do you want to have from that community? Can you share a little bit about how those individuals could help the Shea Center to continue to expand your services? You know, there's an expression in our nonprofit world of the only reason we thrive is because of the time, talent, and treasure of those who are involved with us. And so even being here today, this is time and extraordinary talent to share our message with those in the world around us. So our leaders, volunteers, everybody involved with us gives of one or all three of those things, time, talent, or treasure. Okay. So for business leaders who are listening and they would like some way to be connected to other business leaders, we have an incredible event that has about 1,500 people there and about 80 different corporate sponsors who come and play with us. We have, if you want to volunteer your time, you can go to our website and sign up online to learn more about our volunteering program. If you really want to get involved with the organization and see how at a very grassroots level you can make a change, then you can become part of our volunteer groups, the many volunteer groups that support the Shea Center. We are always open for business for anybody who wants to share their time or talent or treasure to make a difference. might have mentioned, but I want to ask again, how many active volunteers are involved with the Shea Center? Last year we had 1,000 people. Actually, last year we had 850 volunteers. This year we'll have more than 1,000 people who volunteer their time throughout the week. And then we have our board of directors. We have committee volunteers. These are more of the, the volunteers who are the mainstays in terms of our fundraising mm-hmm. and our advocacy and our policy development. So there's really an amazing number of people to make this the community effort that it is. That's fantastic. I know you have an event coming up next month, and I'd like you to take it just a few minutes. I understand from our engineer we have about two minutes left here on the radio program, but could you share a little bit about what your what your event is in September? Sure. Nonprofits like ours function without any government support. So we don't get any federal money or insurance money. So the way that we raise more than $2.5 million a year to support our services is through two large events and then a few other fundraising things we do. One of those events is the barbecue, and it's 35 years old. We've been doing it as long as we've been around, and it is an amazing party. It's held at the Shea Center. We'll have more than 80 sponsors and 1,500 guests. And then our riders, the best part of the night for me, is our riders are the featured friends and center focus of what we do. So we have a sponsor bar that's sponsored by Nick's of Laguna and the incredible restaurants and food there. Then we cater this event for 1,500 people, and nobody goes away hungry. Their hearts are full. Their tummies are full. It's an amazing evening, raising about $700,000 for our program. And I see from the engineer that we have another question that I'd like to get in under the wire. Where are you located? We are in San Juan Capistrano, and we're just off of the Junipero-Serra exit. And okay. uh, you can find us online at www.sheacenter.org. Well, this time has flown by, and I really want to thank you both for coming into the studio today. Dana, great work for the center. I hope the radio show here helps to expand it to our audience not only for people who would like to get involved, but maybe for people who know people or have family members that might benefit from the therapeutic work that you're doing there. It's just outstanding and amazing. Thank you both for being a friend of our program, and welcome to the Critical Mass community. Thanks for having us. Okay, this is Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank our engineer today, Paul Roberts. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. 
Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. Our newest intern here in the program is Jordan Broker, and she's sitting in the studio today. So we're just expanding the staff here both at Critical Mass Radio Show and octalkradio.net, broadcasting from the Tech Space facilities in Costa Mesa. This is your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass, nonprofit show right here on OC Talk Radio, Orange County's only community radio station.